Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deconstructing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am Trevor, one of your co-hosts, and with me here, as always, not here with me in the room, but here in the Midwest, is Brett. It's my birthday! Eitzen. <laughs> oh, yeah, not here in the room. Unfortunately, we're, we're, we're separated by some distance, but luckily, technology is amazing and we can still do the podcast despite being i don't know a, uh, i don't know miles the miles apart i don't know miles apart i know it's eight and a half hours i know that but yeah eight and a half hours apart it's like we uh we hopped out of the bifrost at different times that's right <laughs> that's right good yeah. took me a while to get there sorry well you got there though and that's all that matters <laughs> today's episode is the third installment of the thor series this is ragnarok taika mm-hmm. watiti's introduction into the marvel cinematic universe and brett i believe you have some notes for us maybe yes i do have some production notes this is the, the third thor film development started in 2014 it came out in 2017 with craig kyle and christopher yost wrote the first couple of drafts over the first kind of year, year and a half of production. In 2015, Taika Waititi signed on to direct after Alan Taylor had chose not to return. He did Thor The Dark World. And here was his quote. I thought his quote was interesting enough that we needed to at least comment on it. I I think we may have kind of talked about his relationship with Marvel in the Thor The Dark World episode. But he says, The Marvel experience was particularly wrenching because I was sort of given absolute freedom while shooting. Then in post-production, I turn, it turned into a different movie. So that is something I never hope to repeat, and I don't wish upon anyone else. Sorry, this is the one where he was like locked out of the, out of the editing uh-huh. studio post-production? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, so it does not surprise me that he did not sign back on to do another sure. one. Yeah. Had Taika Waititi done jojo rabbit or i i think he had done hunt for the wilder people by this movie but i'm not sure when jojo rabbit so came out he had done hunt for the wilder people and what we do in the well he'd done a couple things eagle vs shark um great boy <laughs> what we do in the shadows and the hunt for the wilder people yeah jojo now, rabbit he had signed on he had signed on before hunt for the wilder people came out so that was not in his repertoire at the point in which he was hired, but it was obviously finished up before actual production on Thor Ragnarok began. Gotcha. Yeah, and this was so this was his easily his biggest project to date. Kind of a not a not a no name, but definitely not one of those popular name you know director names people would recognize right not like it is now outside of maybe the yeah 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 exactly now people are like oh that guy he made those (laughs) he did that weird hitler movie right right (laughs) (laughs) kind of kind of so also in late 2015 again this is just kind of early development eric peterson eric i want to say it's eric eric peterson pearson eric pearson came on with taika to rewrite the script taika kind of came in and, and had some new ideas beyond what Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost had written to that point. So Eric Pearson came in and basically rewrote the thing to include specifically the Hulk storyline as negotiations with Mark Ruffalo had like come around and actually had, had gone through. So they were able to get him into 
the film. Taika also talked about he wants to make this version of a Marvel film, my version, Mm. in the best way possible. He compared Ragnarok in tone to Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's something we'll probably talk about quite a bit here in a moment. Taika did? <laughs> yeah, Taika did. Okay, cool. So there's, there's that. I, I feel like that really does come through. It feels a lot more like a, like a James Gunn film yeah. than any of the other Thors, both of which kind of do have that Shakespearean flavor behind it, which I know, Trevor, you actually really appreciated about the first one. <laughs> I especially. did. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll see where if we end up having differing opinions on that. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it was filmed mostly in Australia. That was a big thing from Hemsworth. Obviously, Taika's from New Zealand, so being down there kind of in the Aussie country right. was important for them, and, and Marvel kind of agreed mm. that they could make that work. I imagine that's a lot of where like uh, the Sakaar stuff takes place at. Probably, With, like, the yeah. Desert. They say they used like up to like nine different studios in Australia. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> they were right? like all over the place. Chris Hemsworth's not Australian, is he? Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't remember. I'm pretty... I'm like 90% sure. I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one of those productions that seemed to go pretty well. There wasn't a lot of drama on set or kind of even in the background. I think there was maybe a little, a little drama around the writing of credits. Uh, it was revealed that... Eric Pearson would receive sole writing credit with a story credit to Kyle and Yost, who kind of did those first initial drafts. But the story had changed enough by the time it shot um, and had been post that got changed. I think other than that, like not kind of crazy. There's a lot of cameos in this. Yeah. That uh, we'll talk about. (laughs) We'll talk about shortly. And yeah, um, overall, a pretty smooth production all around and i think we've talked about this before with the past couple movies marvel's really kind of hit i think actually i think zach brought this up on the last episode by this point marvel's really like they're in it and it's like it's a machine and it's just gonna work and all kind of the early drama stuff especially i remember some of those early movies we kind of went back and reviewed we talked quite not quite a bit but we talked about like who had the rights to what and well Marvel had yeah. the rights to this toy but these people had the rights to the movie and vice versa and you know and we've slowly been getting away from that and now I feel like whenever we do these production notes it's a lot more of like here's where it was filmed they wanted this actor but he mm-hmm. wasn't ready yet oh they got this actor this guy's in this now look at yep. this kind of that stuff which isn't which isn't <laughs> bad as a matter of fact it's a good it's a good thing but I, I, I'm curious, going back as we do this project, I'm curious if the w- kind of well-oiled machine that it is becomes a, l- becomes a little more formulaic and becomes a little more, yeah. you know, maybe, uh, you know, it's kind of like, like you, you've mentioned before, it's like the McDon- McDonald's thing. You, you know what you're going to get. You're going to go in and it's going to be the same no matter where you're at. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see. Now that we're kind of in prime MCU, yeah. where it's going to go from here. So we usually, you probably noticed on the Twitter, we haven't talked about the drink of the week. That's because there isn't one. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. I recently moved to Illinois, so we are now several miles apart from each other. 
and in the midst of everything, I was not able to get stuff for a drink. But I do have the drink that we are going to do, and we will do it for Thor Love and Thunder when that comes around. Perfect. Yep. And who knows? I might share the recipe anyway on Twitter, and maybe you can make it at home and tell us how it is. And if it's good, then we'll do it for there Love and go. Thunder. Brett, are you drinking anything today for this episode? Um, I have a canned Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Do you like the cans? You know, I actually do. Really? It's weird. It's weird. There's a couple drinks that I like regular Mountain Dew. I prefer the 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 soda stream. Oh, whatever the fountain. it's called from yeah, not yeah. soda stream, not the fountain drink. A fountain drink. But the Baja Blast for whatever reason, I think the can is actually maybe a little better. Really, I'm the opposite. I I think the can is a little bit worse. <laughs> um, and I I can't. Okay. I think it's because it's too fresh. <laughs> like I know that sounds weird, mm. but when I have like, because you know you associate Taco Bell with Baja Blast, and so when I have it, I want to have just like garbage <laughs> food with me. And so like, <laughs> that's okay. I, mean, I wondered if like the garbage was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, cool, man. I. I think what are you drinking? I actually I always have a little bit of bourbon with me, so I am having um, my staple, which is Bullet. Uh, I poured myself nice. a little bit of that, kind of as I just finished my first week of back to school, so it's a little bit of a celebration for me. But uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I got some new characters for you here. Yeah, we have the marvelous, wonderful, beautiful human Kate Blanchett as Hella, and I think the makeup. They do a really good job with her. It doesn't look like Kate Blanchett. No, I, I she's one of those that I I think overall I don't love her what they do with her character, but I think she does a great job and she looks good doing. Yes. And when we were watching it, I was like there's a couple things she says especially when she first shows up. That's really Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. Just the way she pronounces <laughs> things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and I kept thinking, I was like, okay, Kate Blanchett is glad she played Galadriel. Wasn't she also Lydia Tar? Sure enough, yes, she was Lydia Tar. But like the yeah. image I have for yeah. that character in my head is so far removed from Hela. I was like, who? What? How is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of amazing, beautiful, wonderful humans, two more Tessa Thompson as Scrapper142 and Valkyrie. I don't know that we ever get her actual name or if she has. No, I don't believe so. I think it's just you you were a Valkyrie type of thing. Right. And then it's, yeah. Maybe in Love and Thunder, I can't remember. But I was thinking about that today before we recorded. And then sure enough, yeah, on, at least on Letterboxd, she's listed as Scrapper 142 and Valkyrie. And then yep. we have Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. Mm. And what a so fun. lovely addition to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He he plays this role perfectly and just he, all of the little Jeff Goldblumisms that he can that he brings into it just it, it makes that character who you should hate so lovable for for a moment. And then you realize, "Oh no, he's a terrible person." Right. But in the moment, you just kind of love him. Yes. And this was I if I remember correctly, this was 2017. I think this is when he was first kind of coming back into the mainstream. Like he was really popular in the nineties, maybe did some early 2000 stuff. But I mean, as far as like mainstream movies, I don't know that he had been around very much, but then I remember it being like a big deal that Jeff Goldwyn was going to be in the MCU or at least, at least in a, like I said, a mainstream role again. 
Maybe I'm making that up, but at least that's what I remember. No, that sounds right. I mean, he did lots of TV stuff, one-offs, little cameo things for a long time. Sure. Kind of in the early 2000s and, and early, or through the 2000s and, and 20, early 2010s, I think he was back, kind of that first thing he was back for was, in a big way, was Independence Day Resurgence, that sequel that oh. was horrible. Was he in that? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh, Will Smith, Will Smith wasn't in it, but Jeff Goldblum was. Because I think it's Will Smith's kid, that and he's sounds, dead. Yes, because like it's, a, yeah. it's, a Liam Hem, it's Liam Hemsworth film. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's, you know, he's, he, and then we get Jurassic World, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a year after, well, Where he, Fallen Kingdom, he was just in it basically for a voiceover. But, right. yeah, I think you're right. The, this was kind of the beginning of the... The resurgence of Gel- Jeff Goldblum. And then he fully embraced the meme of Jeff Goldblum by the time he got to, <laughs> Dra- uh, or whatever that last <laughs> Jurassic World movie was. Uh, he really did. Uh, a little less exciting. Uh, now I feel, I might cut that out. I'm, I don't know how you feel about this person. Uh, <laughs> Carl Urban as Scourge slash the Executioner. Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi comes in as Korg, which I want to talk. Oh, he's also Surter, and he did the mocap for the Hulk. Nice. Oh, and those are all the, but Clancy Brown was the voice for Surtur. Uh, Those are all kind of the heavy hitters as the new characters, but sharp-eyed viewers of this movie might notice Matt Damon makes an appearance as the stage Loki alongside a name that we've actually mentioned a couple times already, Liam Hensworth, who makes his appearance as stage Thor. And then freaking sam neil is stage odin and i never noticed that until this last time i was watching it and he came on screen i was oh like oh my goodness what? such a good little <laughs> i always knew about matt damon for I sure how much he just eats up that scene oh, too so good oh but all right so those are all our newcomers you wouldn't happen to have box office numbers up would you I've got a few box office numbers oh. up here. Guardians of the... Sorry, I don't know why I highlighted Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came in globally just above Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. So Ragnarok made $850 million worldwide. Uh, it was the eighth ranking movie of the year with Guardians at number seven and Spider-Man Homecoming right above it. Domestically that year... Oh, it was also eighth. <laughs> Um, domestically, so yeah, eighth all kind of eighth all around. It made a uh, three hundred and fifteen million dollars at the domestic box office. What a so, flop! Uh, a very um, successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't make a billion. It sucked, <laughs> and it was terrible. Yeah, so it it clearly did really really well. This is kind of the it's an interesting year for superhero movies at the box office especially the MCU ones, kind of all right there, 6, 7, and 8. Wonder Woman, which was, you know, did incredible domestically, beat out all of those domestically, ended up at 10 worldwide, but did did just fine here at home with the third ranking or third highest box office of 2017. Nice. Domestically. Good for them. <laughs> All right, man, cool. They made money. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into it here? I think so. Real quick, before we jump <clears throat> into some of those, uh, into the film itself, I just want to make two notes. Uh, the compo- Both the composer 
and the cinematographer. Mark Mothersburg is the music by, uh, is the composer. I believe this was his first, I'm double checking First here. in the MCU. I believe this was his first MCU movie and maybe only MCU movie because I don't recognize the name. Yeah, so this is his first and only MCU movie and the cinematographer is a Spanish cinematographer Javier Aguirre I butchered that and I apologize. Also (laughs) his his only MCU film. Interesting. It's always interesting when a new director comes in. That's if they, you know, bring bring people with him, or if or them if they bring if they bring in people that they're you know frequently collaborate with, or if it's kind of just like a bid out process. Sure. I don't know. Taika has not worked with either of these before or after, as far as I can tell. So. Yeah, I just think that that's interesting for a film that of this scope. Sure. Yeah. Or maybe even, you know, uh, it, it's a third party thing where the studio says, "Okay, we've been in talks with this person. We want this person to come on and do this." And more like they assemble. Uh, pardon the pun. More like maybe they assemble the team rather than, uh-huh. rather than uh, <laughs> Taika breaking that in. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Mark Mothersburg, though. He does something, I think, accidentally. I'm very excited to talk about it, though. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's interesting for, for uh, two a, a kind of major play, not major players in terms of who they are, but major players in terms of, like, the production of the film, like, to just come mm-hmm. and go seemingly in the blink of an eye. Right? Because <laughs> sometimes you'll have, even on a on a sequel type thing, you'll have... You know, even if the director doesn't carry over, you may have someone like the cinematographer from the previous one stay on, or you may have the composer. Mm-hmm. Oh well, this composer really knows this character and the music, and and or they'll or or they'll bring on someone who just does like they're kind of on retainer. Right. Yeah. Um, Disney has a couple of those. And uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that, but maybe this was kind of pre them doing that as much. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Definitely. Uh, well, if, if you don't mind, I'll kick us off here. Yeah, let's do Here's it. Here's a fourth wall break into a joke to start off this entire movie. And it's such an amazing, like, we're going to change the tone from the previous two films from, like, mile marker zero. Like, right now, this is a different yeah. movie. Yep. And... I think it works that in that very beginning, even more so in the ensuing conversation that happens with Surtur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is a fantastic job of setting up the fact that this is this is a different Thor movie. It's a different kind of Thor movie, and the, the, Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth really does have great comedic timing. I think a lot of times, especially early on his MCU career, I kind of thought of him as a little bit of like a, a pretty dumb boy. Right, especially after but the previous I ones. I think given the the right material and the right direction, he, he can do jokes. He can do funny. And I think he proves that because most of the scene is either he's, he's acting against himself Surtur is is an important character in there and in the scene, but it's it's just Hemsworth like interrupting himself, interrupting or timing those things, which which comes down to editing as well. I'll, I'll I won't 
disparage that. But yeah, a, a really good setup to something that like, okay, we've established that the premise, Ragnarok, the name of the movie, is is a thing. And they give us all the information on how Ragnarok ultimately ends in like the first two minutes of the yeah. film. Like we you have to have Surtur, you have to have the Eternal Flame and what what does he do? He he takes it so that they sit right, <laughs> right. next to each other, which is I just think hilarious. Yeah. But but it, they do it in a way that's like okay, like this could have just been an opening gag that really didn't connect to the rest of the film in in any real way. And in, instead, what they do is like it's almost a bookend. Here's the first part, and it's going to relate to the very very end of the film. And I think that that's that's really well yeah. done. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned earlier about how. This is kind of a a change a little bit from you mentioned the like Shakespearean Kenneth Branagh inspiration from the the first film. Mm-hmm. I I like the tone of this movie just as much as I like the tone of the first movie. So like if you mm-hmm. go to like a Renaissance festival, right, or even if you read about like medieval stuff, humans haven't changed like hardly at all in like <laughs> centuries. You know, right? Like there's there's Egyptian right. tablets of like receipt for like someone trying to return something. And then the person's like basically says, well, you break it, you bought it. And like, so the more things change, the more things stay the same. And at Mm -hmm. least in the Asgardian stuff, it's all very much like, this is just what would happen. Like if, if, Mm. because you know, in Kenneth Branagh's eyes or however you want to think about that, maybe it's like, okay, this is like a play or a movie. And so this has to happen exactly right. Yes. In a real world, the chain would spin and you know, he wouldn't look at him the whole time, but in this other light, it's like, no, this is a realistic depiction of what would happen. And we're making it funny because it's a real thing that could happen. And so because of that, I, Mm -hmm. I think this is fine, man. I not even fine. I think this is good. Because yeah. it's, it, it's not enough to where it's cheesy. It makes it feel real. And they just acknowledge the reality of what's happening. And I think that's great. Along with the dialogue, as it wraps up, that is an excellent soundtrack drop into Immigrant Song in the beginning. Mm, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good little action scene for Thor just to be like, okay, we, we know. Because they're showing off things he's already right. done. Yeah, And I, I, I think it's good to get that kind of out of the way early especially with what what happens to Molnir. <laughs> so it's good that he gets an opportunity to use it in a, in a in in a way that we're familiar that's it's fun it's like we were talking about earlier it's of um a action fight set piece set to some you know I don't, when it was immigrant song is that a 80s 70s Led Zeppelin or a, a yeah. 70s okay yeah a, a 70s piece of music that's really really popular uh, that's a very james gunn guardians of the galaxy thing to do and they 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 do it a couple times in here but it works pretty well yeah, definitely i can't i want to talk about when we get there but i can't i think it loses i think it's edited in in a weird way in the second way i think this one is much more efficient Along with, yeah, there's a really sick hammer perspective shot in the beginning where the hammers are, yeah, yeah and it's falling the hammer. And also, I remember we talked quite a bit in Thor: The Dark World about how part of the reason we kind of lost—I don't know if respect is the right word for it—but we we kind of lost some of the excitement for Thor two 
because they broke the rules that they were using like the hand like i i think the mm-hmm. i don't remember what the the wrathful character whatever is called but he he's able to like use the hammer and i remember we were like okay well that's not like you're kind of breaking your own rules here but in this one when he drops the hammer onto the mouth of the dragon i was like that's so much <laughs> that's so like in my eyes anyway like forgives the the previous entry okay we're correcting this we're mm-hmm. going to use the hammer in creative ways and we're going to make it make it feel like the hammer is just as, as a much the hammer is just as much a part of this fight as thor is and by the time that the title card yeah. drops when the bifrost comes and picks up thor i am so pumped to watch this again man that opening is is yeah. really really good yeah it, it's nice to throw that big bad in there the 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 dragon as a something that thor is not just there to beat up but tries to escape the the thing with the bifrost is mm-hmm. awesome and then the reveal immediately after the tile card the like the head comes <laughs> yeah. through the bifrost too so yes. funny uh, just getting carl urban all covered in goop and blood brains and guts and, yeah <laughs> I will say the CG in the beginning of this and kind of all throughout. Also, I think they recycled a shot from the first movie. There's a pan or there's a zoom in on the central castle. And I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's from the first film. <laughs> exactly <Yeah>. the same. <laughs> so maybe you can help me out here. Is the CG a little suspect? And if it is, I, I'm curious if it was purposeful because this movie in general just has this very like almost cartoony, goofy vibe in terms of uh, the CG that's used. Do you have any thoughts on that? There's there's parts where it bothers me and there's parts where it doesn't. Everything in the beginning I don't I don't think is bad. It's maybe a, a little choppy, but they they can get away with a lot more with the atmospheric stuff that they're doing. It's kinda dark, it's kinda hazy and 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 so I think you can get away with a bit there and I it never really took me out. What takes me out is in a couple scenes from where we're talking about now, they're out kinda on the coast of Ireland or mm-hmm. Scotland yeah. or somewhere like that. And that just feels like it's a weird shot in yeah. a green screen type of thing. That really throws me. There's some stuff on Sakar that kinda to your point, like it feels almost a little more cartoony. Yeah. It works, I think, a little better in Sakaar just because of the place right. that it is and what's happening there. It doesn't take me out as much there. But I do think that when it comes to, like, characters, they do a pretty good job. There's, like, kind of the undead army is, is kind of, yeah. eh, they're, they're okay. But they're, you know, they're just made to, we all know they're just there to get destroyed. Right, yeah. They're there to be cut up and sliced up and, and whatnot. They don't need to look crazy good. Whereas, like, a character like, um, oh, you know that one. Goodness gracious. Uh, what's Taika's character's Korg. name again? The rock guy. Korg, like the keyboard. Korg. So, like, Korg and Meek, I think, look pretty good. It's like that, the the, the material of right. them. The rock, I think, they, they can fake the rock pretty good. Meek, I think, looks pretty fun. Hella, with her, with her hair. Yes. Like that the transformation into the helmet. Um, it's supposed to be pretty, yeah, pretty spandexy, plasticky, reflectivey. So I can, I can, I feel like that's the vibe they were going mm-hmm. for. Uh, I think Banner uh, or or Hulk looks great yeah. in this for the most part. 
So at the end of the day, I, there's some, there's some bits of it that, that that bother me, but for the most part, I think they get the characters pretty well. I spe- the characters we care about, they do a pretty good job on, and uh, and it works for me eighty percent sure. of the time. And as we're talking, I, I think the stuff that looks the worst for me maybe is anytime you know we can't see somebody's legs if it's just the sky behind them yeah almost every time that happens i remember just kind of being like okay this is this doesn't look great (laughs) but like i get what you're trying to do here yeah yeah there's something about if you can't see that i don't know horizon line or kind of put them in the place it's just the sky behind them yeah yeah it doesn't look great but no i agree with you on the other on the other points i think uh hulk does look good yeah korg and Meek, I think all all the people that are computer graphically enhanced or added to, I think all of them look look pretty good. It's really just those settings I think that really kind of rub me the wrong way, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What did you think about? So immediately after kind of that intro, we get we have a couple scenes. We've got one in Asgard where it's revealed that Loki is taken over banished mm-hmm. odin in some way and then we have the the stuff in new york with steven oh. and then or on earth steven and then the the stuff kind of in scotland like we were right. talking about oh I, that's what i was gonna say sorry i was trying to remember do you remember the trailer for this movie not particularly well i i knew i wasn't excited it's about it famous this is this was marvel's first fake out the scene where hella oh breaks the hammer and the trailer she's in an alleyway in like a city but in the oh. movie it happens in that field where odin dies you you would mention the cgi field that there you know the ireland scotland whatever yeah, yeah but she uh but she's in like an alleyway during that part anyway a little fun fact for you you're right sorry i just pulled it up and it's like the first shot in the, right. the trailer yeah. <laughs> and while we're talking about the trailer oh my goodness do you think uh, and I, I know it's kind of jumping forward a little bit. I, I'll, we'll come back to the beginning. But do you think it was a, a benefit or a detriment that they included Hulk in the promotional material? I That's a good question. I think it would have been a nice reveal. They, have, they do not save a lot these mm-hmm. days for reveals and trailers. But I don't know. I, I, I think it was probably pretty well known that banner was gonna be in this in mm-hmm. some way that to show off hulk yeah they maybe needed that and there's a lot of comedy especially in the second act that that revolves around that relationship between thor and hulk that you can get a few good stingers in the trailer but you're yeah you're right sorry i'm again i'm just looking at the trailer and like <laughs> hella in this alleyway <laughs> looks so right, weird right yeah. Anyway, I was just, I just, I was thinking, man, that would have been sick to, to. I mean, I guess you need to get butts in the seat though, and and this, I don't think we were quite there yet, because now you know you go see a Marvel movie and they're all packed out, but I think at this point in time, I don't know that we had gotten there quite yet, so maybe there there was popularity among like the Avengers movies, and so I'm my guess is like. Hey, the last two Thor movies haven't mm. done that great. They didn't, or they weren't well received critically. Let's throw Banner in the promotion, right. you know, promotional right. things, and like it's a, it feels a little bit more like an Avengers yeah, thing. Definitely. 
Uh, I can see that getting people in seats. I think is Loki revealed in the trailer? Oh yeah, yep. There's Loki. That's right. Yep, he's tied <laughs> up. So surprise. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's probably a, yeah a marketing yeah. decision more than like a hey we want to save this as a fun reveal right. because they do in the in the film it's very much like a like up until that moment we don't know who it is we don't right. know who it is well Who's and this even cha- this even grandmaster when he announces him goes you're incredible and then the whole busts through it and, yeah but they're always trying to sneak in those little comic quotes man i love it so mm-hmm. kind of jumping back to the beginning you mentioned we talked a little bit about the the stuff going on with odin i love the doctor strange stuff in this and i have a fun little because my ears have been on for feels like forever but it's just been a week now i have a fun little musical mm-hmm. tidbit for you Ooh, talk to me as we talked about before in the doctor strange episode benedict cumberbatch was kind of getting some fame from the sherlock series and on the bbc the place where the sanctum sanctorum in new york is is a playoff of uh the sherlock address the sherlock address is 221b baker street and then the Sanctum Sanctorum address is 177A Bleecker Street. But here's the thing. Yeah. I have always thought this. The, the There's a weird little like harpsichord bing bing like mm-hmm. sound whenever he picks up the card and reads it. And I was like, that's got to be something. Yeah. Man. In the Sherlock TV show, uh, the first two notes in it and then the first two like major notes in that scene if you listen to the the soundtrack score i don't know if you'll necessarily hear it but in that scene the first two the interval between the first two notes are the same and so i i think it was totally coincidental i don't think that he intended for it to be like a homage or anything to the Sherlock show but mm-hmm. I was like man that's such a cool little thing that it's the same <laughs> it's not the same two notes but it's the same they're the same distance away it's a minor third if you know what that is but yeah uh, the first ones I I looked I figured it out earlier the in the Sherlock show it's like E G F sharp but in this mm-hmm. in Ragnarok it's it's just an inverted major chord it's F sharp A D Still kind of in the same chord on that third note, but anyway, that I was I was I was uh, very excited when I heard that, and I couldn't wait to tell you about it. So, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I've always thought that that felt like a Sherlock Easter egg or homage or something, something. So it's uh, good to feel like I'm not the yeah. Other, and like I said, one. I think it was. I don't think it was purposeful. <laughs> I think it was totally coincidental, but I think it works really, really well. Yeah. Oh, and that uh that's such a well-written line and delivery when when Strange and Thor are talking and he says, "Oh, you should have sent me an electronic mail." And he goes, "Do you have a computer? What for?" <laughs> like it's that's that's about a, as perfect of a joke as you can get, I think. <laughs> They've got great chemistry and I really enjoy how the scene is paced. Mm-hmm. Um there's kind of this like Thor doesn't quite understand the nature of how powerful Steven is. And throughout the scene, as they like teleport around, he's getting like more and more disoriented. Mm-hmm. The whole open the portal and Loki falls through and, and his, you know, Tom Hiddleston's the line delivery of like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. For 30 minutes. <laughs> it's it's fantastic and it doesn't overstay its welcome but it's it's not so short that it feels like a like a useless cameo it's the best of all of 
you know what that kind of thing could be and, and what's be. great is it just ends he just shoves them through the portal. okay bye bye and then that's yeah. it and we never see him again for the rest of the movie and i think it would have been such a gimme for them to have him come back or have him be like have him be in a uh post-credit scene or something but they just leave it and i think that was a great choice agreed agreed yeah the only the only bad part about that scene ending is that we get the next scene um, <laughs> right oh that's when they go is is Odin. maybe yeah, the yeah. weakest the weakest in like the the whole film but it's it's just weird it just feels like uh, i don't know what's his i forgot anthony hopkins was odin again he popped up and i was like oh yeah anthony hopkins. yeah so yeah it just kind of feels like Anthony Hopkins must have been like on his deathbed and they couldn't move him or anything. So they just filmed him in a green on a green oh. screen or something. <laughs> it's like, we're going to have him in here for, and, and I get thematically why it's important to, so you can kind of off him in the first act yeah. of the film, but it just feels like a, not a great, I don't. I don't ever believe that these three family members of are really ever going to get their crap together, or even really care that much right. about each other. And so it's. It just really feels like a plot beat to get yeah. us to Hella, which is well. Fine. And I was thinking about that, uh, but I do think it's. It's not fun to watch. I ever. I always watch it because this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've watched <laughs> this film, and we always get there. And I'm just like. Yeah. Ugh. I uh, can I go make some more popcorn or something? I just like right. skip, like the opening credits for like any TV show, and it's like, do you want to <laughs> skip this? It's like, no, I just want to skip this part. <laughs> Give me right. the fun part, because because the stakes are not are just not there, even relationally to me. What do you what do you? No, think I about agree. It's it's always just felt off, and I think I've always every time I watch it, I'm, I always think. Man, that's super convenient that, I mean, I guess like if you want to read into it, you could probably make a stake that it's like the reason, like if he's keeping her at bay, the reason that she appears right there is because she's trying to get through to him. And if that's where Mm -hmm. he dies, that's where she's going to come out at. But even then, like, I mean, that's just, that's me speculating and reading into it. But I've always felt that just the way she shows up and the way Odin dies is also kind of strange. Um, (laughs) And so I I don't, I don't know, man. I'm in the same boat with you. I think it could have worked. It just needed, they needed it to not be a CG background. They needed it to be a little more, like they needed him to actually be on like in a hospice center or something that would have been great. Mm, have, have them go yeah. visit him in hospice and then have Hella like not even show up through a portal, but like he dies and then Hella walks through the door mm-hmm. or something like that. Th- that's the tone yeah. of the movie yeah. already anyway, that it's going to be kind of jokey. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like fixing the movie. I don't mean to be doing that, but, um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's always been, a little bizarre but then right after that we have two main players dead immediately fangirl and then whoever the other guy is (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah he's he came back up in my kind of like oh yeah it's ray stevenson who is in the new ahsoka show he passed away i think over the summer Um, but he plays one of the 
oh, okay. Sith characters in the in the Ahsoka yeah. show. And I was like, why do I recognize him? Oh, it's because he's him. And yeah, he's he's played that character the whole Bullstag. time. But an interesting like just we're yeah. just gonna off them immediately. Like <laughs> boom boom. I I feel like it was an attempt to be like she Hella's means business. Yeah, powerful. But like she just she just destroyed Milner. Like I get right. that it, she's it powerful. Like <laughs> yeah, especially when there's gonna be a big fight. Uh, you know, it's it's a couple minutes later in the film because I think they go back mm-hmm. to Sakar. But she you know she shows up and then there's an army there and to fight her and she just one v a hundreds them. <laughs> I also don't love her style of fighting with like the manifesting giant blades that one shot yeah. ships and <laughs> it's it's yeah she's i don't think she's a compelling villain in that way well i like her from the perspective of you know what does it mean to be a, a nation or i guess a na- yeah a nation that conquests right. right she is the one who's like okay yeah asgard is awesome and it's because we have all this mm-hmm. blood on our hands we took it and that carries consequence and she was i think rightly frustrated with odin for trying right. to bury that and odin if anything it, it it does it casts odin in a whole new light and i like to for the most part thor's answer but i think you could have had a more psychological battle there between hella and thor and their sure. how they deal with you know the sins right, of their right. father so to say. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I her fighting style, I also think I think they need to have her take out a lot of people really quickly and I think that I I think cuz Asgard needs to be empty. There needs to be no there yeah. needs to be nothing yeah. there. There needs to be, you know, yeah, she needs to be able to take out basically the army very quickly and I think that was the easiest way to get it done. So I think it works. I also agree it's a little weird that it just works. <laughs> if that makes sense to use that yeah, word yeah. in two different ways. <laughs> the part that really throws me off with the sword, when she's fighting hand-to-hand, I don't mind it so much. It's when she brings down that door that no. I'm like, oh. Because mm. <laughs> those blades are like <laughs> enormous. <laughs> yeah, and like later on, she does the like, Sorry to skip ahead, I guess, but at the end when she like comes back out of the ocean and she's like riding right. these giant blades almost towards uh, Solter, and it's like, oh, so that that's part of her power yeah. too. Like she's just manipulating them in that way. Very interesting, but again, like her her fighting style, though that detail, I don't think is actually that important. I think to her, her movements are great, though. It's just a means to an her, end. Her, her movements are very yeah, yeah, fluid. Yeah, yeah, she's got, yes. she's fun to it's watch. It's just the knife stuff is a yeah. little too much. Do we want to jump over to uh I do, Sakaar? yeah. Uh, there's, I have written down here, space to Thor is a dope transition. Oh, that's what it is. It's when uh, something happens and we see stars. I don't remember who's looking at them or what, but the stars start to fade and then they're lights and then it's mm-hmm. Thor. I don't know if you're, it's, it's when he's in the, oh. ch- the tunnel, which speaking of that tunnel, but yeah, I, that's yeah, just, the, yeah, yeah. there's another one also somewhere. I think I wrote down, oh, we'll get there when we get there, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. space, to, space to Thor is a dope transition. <laughs> this is just straight out of Willy Wonka, man. Like there's the pure imagination in the background. Oh. It's, it's the like, <laughs> this is a nice little tunnel and it's all the flashing lights and it's spooky and it's weird. And 
it, it it's a good and it's yep, a good yep. introduction to Grandmaster and it's a good introduction to um, being on Sakaar. Our friend of the show, Reese Beaumont, he I I'm, I want to know what you think. I don't know if I don't know if you remember when we were talking with him on a, a Winter Soldier, the the zappy thing in Thor's neck. He mm-hmm. hates that part of how the zappy thing takes him out. I don't mind it so much mm-hmm. because there's a moment where we see that shot and we can see like his veins like up into his face are turning blue. So I don't know that it's necessarily like a shock, mm-hmm. like electricity. Yeah, it's there's there's a little confusion, I think, with the visual effects because it does. It feels right. like it's electricity. But I think you're right in that it's it's probably something more than that. I actually even wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have a problem with it being electricity if it was because Thor's whole arc in this one is it wasn't ever the right. hammer, right? The hammer didn't give him his power. It was the power has always been within himself, and so I would even be okay with it being electricity if you know he he maybe was stuck with it the whole time, and by the uh, the end of the escape. He realizes he's realizing that oh no like I can manipulate that or control that and then he ends up breaking it that way. It's it's just a yeah, little plot device. I mean, you have to power and check Thor in it some comes way back frequently. Like so. he has it on him. He gets used on Loki. It gets used as like a sleight of hand yep. thing later on. So I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. mind it so much. Uh, another little music thing. The intro when we first meet Grandmaster, there's this like kind of sound that happens. <laughs> it's very similar to mm-hmm. the beginning of Styx's uh, Domo Arigato. Mr. Robert. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, another thing where I heard it and I was like, I know that. This one's a little higher pitch, but anyway, well, another. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before, but I always love talking about it. What do you think of directors playing characters, specifically Taika playing Korg? in this uh, I think Taika playing Korg in this is great it is just enough of a cameo character that it doesn't end up being distracting I think his character too like Korg as a character is it's a nice like here's the world that we're building and for the director to do that I think that's a like that's a fun little cameo especially when you have the comedic talents right. of someone like Taika. So it's just enough. Brief spoiler alert for Love and Thunder. I think he's awful in Love yeah. and Thunder, and I hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think in this, even even upon rewatch, after seeing Love and Thunder and knowing that I really disliked that character in that film, I still found found myself laughing. Oh, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> like that's. All that, that showed up so was my great. mother and her I boyfriend who I had. That. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Meek's just been I been dead. I I, I I stomped on him on the bridge and I've just felt so guilty about and, it. <laughs> like those little things and I they're think fantastic. Whole, I, I've kind of have this belief that uh, when directors are actors in their own properties, they can't be I, I say that, but like I don't know, I Kenneth Branagh is really the exception. It's mm-hmm. it's so hard, I think, for a director to play a main character in a movie. Um, mm, and I think yeah. that's the reason that he is so good in this and is not so good in Love and Thunder. And I think part of it yeah. maybe even be a little bit of pride in terms of like, 
oh, my, the fans really like this character that I play, so let's give him more to do. Well, I w- I'm going to give him more to do. Be- yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have. The- maybe I have like a low opinion of directors. Um, but that's <laughs> always that's always kind of been. I don't know. That's something I struggle with. Is anytime I see even that movie that came out, I think it's last year or earlier this year. Don't worry, darling. Yeah, the director oh, is, a, yeah. is a main player in that. And I, I even just he, just knowing mm. that information, I always get a little bit of like a. Like an unease. I don't know if I'm gonna dig this so much, but anyway, right? Yeah, but uh, anyway, you, you mentioned Valkyrie. I love Valkyrie, and Tessa Thompson is fantastic in this. I think she does a, a great job. Tessa does a great job, and the there's all that lore around the Valkyrie. There's that Zack Snyder and, flashback. Um, she has a flashback that's beautiful and I wish they could have done more. I honestly think it's a little bit of like, again, stepping forward just because it's a, it's a film in a series, but like they kind of get to play with light in a way like that in Love and Thunder near the finale. That's really cool. I think it's probably yeah. the best part of that movie is when they're on that little right. moon or comet or whatever yes. and it's black and white. That's super cool, and I think they do something similar. It's 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 a really unique look, and I wish they could we could have seen more of it. But Valkyrie as a character, I think, is really important for that Banner and Thor relationship because they have, or or, or the Hulk Thor relationship because Thor has this relationship with Banner already, and not so much one with Hulk because the Hulk's. <laughs> Whenever Hulk is Hulk in the Avengers, they're right. they're smashing, they're fighting, they're not necessarily. We do get our rematch beers. from Avengers and One in this. Yeah, <laughs> we do get the rematch. <laughs> and I think that Tessa just brings a level of fun into the dynamic of those characters that you know could be. Uh, Hulk's, Hulk can be kind of a little bit of like a, I don't know, a, a kindergartner. Well, and I think that's the idea is that he's supposed to be only two. He's supposed to be like, have them in th- there's even a moment where he like slams his fist against his side in frustration walking back to his bed. And I'm like, that's such a toddler mm-hmm. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so Tessa's almost like this kindergarten teacher or babysitter or someone who's built up a relationship with him it doesn't last long i mean between when we get to kind of see them interact and thor's breaking out to go steal the quinjet but just that little bit and then how she interacts with with bruce later on like do i know you i feel like i know you i love that Um, stuff it's it's again it's a really good balance of comedy and yeah yeah chemistry those those all of these characters have really good chemistry with each other and are just yeah, fun definitely. to watch yeah and like a, a couple things i think i might have said it maybe got lost in in the in the call but is that what you said a second ago yes i anytime especially from tessa the do i know you yeah i know it's weird i feel like i know you that all of that delivery is is fabulous <laughs> that flashback is real zack snydery and i'm a mm. with the lighting and the slow-mo Every time it comes up, I'm like, yeah. did Zack Snyder come in for a day and just... It's got like a, yeah, it's got a very like 300-esque vibe. Anyway, so just a couple things with that. While we're kind of in the second act here, I I think the second act mm-hmm. for me personally is the weakest for a few different reasons. I'm just going li- to yeah. list these off as bullet points for you. Number one, everybody in this 
kind of drops their character and just talks like Taika does. They all kind of deliver their line, mm. especially, man, when Bruce shows up, he's not Bruce from the Avengers or, or, or from, you know, he's a, he yeah. feels like a totally different character to me. There's even a moment where, mm-hmm. like, they're sitting and he goes, I know you, you're not my friend or something like that. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing for this like this character that we've known from a couple movies to say, I, I don't know why he is in a Duran Duran Rio t-shirt, which is fantastic. But <laughs> yeah. So with that, so with that stuff, that's kind of the overlaying theme. And then everybody's holding these massive weapons that just make me feel like every prop is made of foam. <laughs> the sun's getting low bit gets old pretty quick. It does. That yeah. gets old very quick. I agree. Yeah, but uh, so just, I mean, those are just, uh, also the Hulk butt is weird that we get to see that, but, um, Mm, yeah, yeah, again, like, Taika is very open with sexuality and those kinds of things, and that carries through a little bit into this movie. We've got the the orgy ship, we've got nudity. We've got lots of comments right. on nudity. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, man, so those are those are just some some things I thoughts I have about the second act that I think are just I, they're just a little they kind of divert and it gets a little too Taika for that however long. Mm-hmm. It's not even the whole second act. It's like the second half of the second act. Yeah, I was gonna say I I, I think we kind of talked about early on in the second act, especially when Jeff Goldblum is around. Yes, like it that does. feels good. The, the introduction to Sakaar, even the like the first fight, yeah, Thor is holding a hammer that like is really really big, but also like I right. know that Thor's really really strong. Yeah, yeah. It looks funny, <laughs> but but for the most part, I think it works in the in the context of the fight. And then yeah, kind of as soon as Bruce shows up and and Thor is gone, then there's this. It is it turns into an escape plot, and the the stakes of that never really match up with the the vibes because it is it just becomes kind of a Taika yeah. stand-up bit. I, I like how you said that. I, I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it that way, but that's a good point. I, no, I don't hate no. it. And maybe that's just because there's not so much of it that it feels right. overwhelming to me personally, but everyone's, I don't know, level of acceptance of, of that is going to be a little yeah, yeah. different. So you just have a little less tolerance yeah, yeah. than I do. But, and you know, <laughs> as soon as we get back to Thor and Loki by themselves and we, they do, they have like the get help bit. Yeah. And then when Thor mm-hmm. does the, when Loki tries to pull the switcheroo and then Thor pulls it on him that, yeah, yeah when they get back good. to being just them, um, I'm, I'm back in basically until the end of the movie. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about the third act a little yep. bit? Yeah. So we get the, uh, <laughs> We get to go through the devil's anus. I hate that name. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> I do too. I do too. <laughs> and back to Asgard. We've kind of, we haven't really talked about it yet, but there is the Hela creates the undead army and brings Fenrax. back her. Um, I think it's Fenrax. Big wolf. I think Fen- so. Fenrax. Yeah. Fenrax. Scourge is there as well. I think this is, oh, we haven't really talked Sorry. about Scourge. I think Carl Urban is underutilized yeah. in this in this film. He has some good moments, but I he's such a better actor than what he does in this, I guess. Like the stuff at the beginning is great. But then he's just kind of walking around for an hour of the film, like he's just following Hella because what else is he going to do? Anyways, yeah, 
it gets the third act ultimately is a lot of fun and a lot of fluff for me there's i i could not care less about the Mm. fight on the bridge it's not i don't think it looks interesting i don't think it there feels like there's really any stakes there the the best bit is when Bruce jumps out and becomes the Hulk again because he like you expect him to jump out and like transform into the Hulk and land as the Hulk and no he just like which now having seen um, now having like, seen Incredible okay. Hulk that's kind of a callback to that movie where Ed Norton jumps out and just yeah. lands yeah <laughs> <laughs> and man I. <laughs> Yeah, just lands in the street. and I hate that close up <laughs> on Mark Ruffalo. And his like hand is bent backward, and he's all mangled and gross. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it 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 is it is oh, good. too it much, is good. too much. <laughs> yeah, and so his fight with Fenris is is really good at that point. What I like the most in the third act is the stuff between Thor and Hela. There's it, it gets down to that nitty gritty of like, who are we as children? Who are we as leaders? What is our what are our goals and what do we have to do? And then Thor obviously figuring out, you know, doing the little the flashbacks to the island and seeing his his father Ugh. be like, Oh, I'm gonna yeah. talk to you from beyond the grave. It's a very cliche thing to do, but ultimately it works. I love the fact that Thor gets his eye he look, he cut looks, out, make him feel a little more like yes. Odin, like the king. <laughs> yeah, and he looks great with the with the eye patch. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And and then the once he gets his power and he goes to the the Rainbow Bridge, that's that's yeah. pretty fun little action scene as well. So I for the most part, I I think there's a lot of um, mm-hmm. hyped up stakes in the third act that doesn't. I don't really right. like. I said it's fluff. It's it's there to let something be happening. At the same time, yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. No, I agree. I I think the beginning of the third act is, or at least the fight, is really great. I think anytime you have an ending conflict, you have to have different people doing different things, and all of them have to be important. So we have, Mm -hmm. you kind of mentioned all of them. Heimdall is getting people out of Asgard, and he's against Scourge, and they have a a face-off on the bridge. You have Thor up up against Hela in the throne room, and then you have, it happens a little bit later, but then you have Hulk against Fenris. And having all three of those things mm-hmm. happen simultaneously, I think, makes the battle feel greater and makes it feel like there's more weight. Mm-hmm. I think that when Thor comes down and it kind of streamlines, I think that that was a good call. That's the second drop of Immigrant Song, and I don't think it works as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an editing thing. No. I think it's because right before he goes down, we have this like drummy thing that happens, and then it's silence. And then the shot starts before the needle drops. And I mm-hmm. think that's weird. I think they needed to have it be like either just have it be a score or have it be a different tune maybe or have it be start at a different place in the song. I, but something in that whole thing needed to switch, needed to change. And I don't think it was like the whole scene needs redone. I think it's just there's one. I can't tell you what it is, but I think you should have just changed one thing, whether it's like the music placement or what the music is, what the shot is, whatever. Mm -hmm. Have something be different there. There's another thing at the end that you kind of touched on with the, you said uh, the bridge, you don't totally care about what's going on down there. I had along with that, there's a, there's a few times in this, and this is me being nitpicky. 
where there are shot angles that don't make sense. <laughs> and maybe you can call me on this. Mm. Uh, I, there's, I know I missed a couple because I wasn't going to write it down initially, but then it kept happening, and I was like, okay, I need to, I want to do something. Yeah. The first one is uh, <laughs> Thor, when he's talking with Doctor Strange, he outstretches. Okay, so I'll start with the Rainbow Bridge one. Everyone on the bridge seems to be like whoever is the important thing happening on the bridge that's who the camera is focused on like there's no not a whole lot of logistical sense mm-hmm. of like okay that like the, the orgy ship has landed where is that are, are they in front or behind yeah. it okay where's the army at where is this fight happening yep. at? there's not a lot of thought put into that i don't think is and i think that's the only thing there but then going back to the beginning i just have two more there uh, that i wrote down thor's umbrella he outstretches his arm like he normally does and then you hear all the stuff breaking, you know, he says, mm-hmm. sorry. And then he finally catches it. But then the shot changes and we see them in front of the stairs. Thor's arm was outstretched to the stairs and then the hammer came. To- yeah. And, this, yeah. and they're fine. And so there's that one. And then <laughs> when Valkyrie jumps off of her exploding ship onto the ship behind them, they they look up as mm-hmm. if they're following her line of like they're following where she's going. But there's no window up there. It's ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so they just, like, they're just looking yeah. at ceiling. And then it, like, it looks like we watch <laughs> them watch her, like, jump to the next ship. And then they even mention something about it. And I'm like, there's no cameras. How, you don't know what's happening back there. And so, like I said, I know there's a couple, one or two extras that I missed. But just very minute kind of sloppy things that I was like, okay, I like this, like I said, this is me being nitpicky, but I still was like, we couldn't have put just a little more thought into these couple scenes. Yeah. My guess is that it comes down to like editing and that I think a lot of people, especially set deck people and even cinematographers and directors should as well. They, they should care about that like overall blocking of a scene and sometimes what ends up happening is because of pacing or, you know, there, there has to be an edit for some reason and they've got to cut something out and then you end up seeing less or there's some reshoots and things don't quite translate. I, I, it's not an, I, I'm not justifying it. I still think, especially with a film like this where there's so much mm-hmm. post that happens, you should be able to clean that up, I think, better than, than that is. I, th- I would agree that there are some of those little things that are obvious. They're obvious to us probably because we're right. really looking at it. I think a lot of people won't necessarily be like, oh, that was like, that <laughs> right. broke the fourth wall from her. That, that really broke the, yeah. the, the story for me. But there may still be a feeling of, well, I don't understand the conflict on the Rainbow Bridge because I don't understand the layout of it. I don't understand the blocking of where, you know, Fenris is versus, you know, who's between where and in the Bifrost and how do we get the, sh- where's the ship and how's that coming in and the, 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 the bad guys. There's some generic direction things that I think they get right, but ultimately because we don't have a good sense of where, what is going on big picture, it's hard to right. establish stakes. I like that. It's hard to establish stakes. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. then, I mean, after all of that, kind of like what we talked about earlier, Hella rides a blade into, and that's also, yeah, I really do, and 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 to get to the like finale here, we I really do like how they solve the problem, which is 
we can't beat Hella. Yeah. What are we going to do? Well, let's let's do the thing from the beginning of the movie that we said we were going to prevent. Let's just turn Solter loose. Full circle moment. It's accepting that, you know, a people are not a place. Uh, we can we can still be Asgardians somewhere else. And I love the fact that it's Loki who goes and, and does it because you know that there's going to be something he can't keep his fingers right. away from things. <laughs> so, like they do, that's a that's a that's the right decision there. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really fun way of kind of ending this. I say fun, <laughs> fun and devastating and and terrible at the same time. But it's a way of defeating the villain without you know it just being more right. punch punch. It's a punch. creative way I mean, to finish. Th- th- it is right. Like there's a lot of punching, but it's a creative way of of definitely defeating your villain. Okay. Cool. All right. I think that's about all I got. Do you have anything else for Thor Ragnarok? Um, no, I don't think so. It's it. I always enjoy it. It doesn't end up ranking as high on my yeah. list as I think it will, yeah. but it's it's um, enjoyable. I did have one more thing uh, that just hit me. This movie does end on a really yeah. dark note, and it, if you were if you saw it in the theaters at the mm-hmm. time it came out, it really uh, I'm thinking of the right word to use. It ends on a very uh foreboding note Thanos Thanos's ship yeah. I think it's like the movie ends and we get a very small credit it's just like the main players and then we get our first end credit scene which is Thanos's ship rising up right after Thor says I think everything's going to be just fine mm-hmm. I hate that line but I love that <laughs> shot of Thanos's <laughs> ship coming up <laughs> Do we? I'm trying to remember if have we seen that shit before? It's, like it's very similar. I'm sure us film nerds were probably like, "Oh, that's Thanos' ship," or but most probably general audiences were like, it, "Oh, that's a big." It's ship. very reminiscent of uh, the uh, what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan. It's a very similar ship to Ronan's ship. Oh, Ronan's ship. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure words spread. I mean you probably remember back in the day you know these movies will come out and then you'd look up immediately oh, yeah. what, what was that person who who was this person at the end of the, the Thor who, what was this happening at the end of blah 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 and so I feel like word sped, spread pretty quickly that that was Thanos' ship so uh, 2017 was the year where does this rank for you we talked I think we talked about this last episode how and just because it's the in third 20, time we've done this yeah. like 2017 was a surprisingly positive year for we films find outside another, another of the MCU. Way to do this. <laughs> right? right? But we're going to say it again. Yep. I'm saying it one more time. I I think this is probably I, when it came out, I hated it. The first time I watched this movie, I was like this is garbage. And I think it was just because it was so different and I wasn't quite ready for it. It certainly did take my expectations uh and say, "Oh, uh, yeah. are you sure?" Uh, but I've since come around to really enjoying it, and I do enjoy it quite a bit. It still probably would not have cracked my top sure. 10 of the year, though. I think it was probably maybe maybe top 15. That was just such a good year for movies that I, I don't think I can say that it, even now, is up there as one of my favorites. So I can tell you, so I remember last time saying that Guardians of the Galaxy probably broke my top 10. I can tell you with certainty now that it did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Ragnarok, though, is like 10 or 11. Like, it's 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 almost in there. Yeah. But, so, I like and kind of the same conversation we had last time. Um, 
I think I was a little bit more hip on the comic book movies this year, maybe than you were, which mm-hmm. is fine. That's just it's the way you know tastes work. But yeah, I think that it's it's maybe bottom of the top ten list. Do you have a placement for your official DTMCU ranking? Yeah, I'm gonna put this at number eleven. Um, okay. It's a little lower on the on the than midway. It sits right below Guardians of the Galaxy at which is ten, and right above Iron Man three at twelve. Okay. It's not bad. Again, like I think honestly, probably the only ones that I've kind of upon rewatching here been like, I don't, I really don't know if that was great like really good like if i don't know if that was good it, it kind of passes that good bar sure is like 13 through 17 so it, it's kind of at the bottom of the yeah like it's still good it's good yeah i enjoy it That's and right. like we said there's a lot of really good comedy in there it's kind of a reinvention it's definitely the best thor definitely um, a reinvention in my mind at this formula. point yeah and they took what i think like what we said earlier it it takes kind of that Guardians of the Galaxy formula, which we didn't actually talk about in the episode proper, but we we didn't. <laughs> I mentioned it at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, and and it does. It feels like that, yeah. right? And I don't think it does it quite as well as Guardians, but it it's still a good a good yeah. film overall. It's almost. I mean, it was kind of funny. I was thinking as I was watching it. This friend of the show, the movie moron over uh, my brother-in-law Easton, mm, mm-hmm. he is he has said for a while that after guardians of the galaxy came out, Marvel kind of like went, okay, this is what people like. And so past that, a lot of their movies kind of tended to be more like guardians of the galaxy. And I think Thor Ragnarok is no, no exception to that, uh, or especially is no exception to that. (laughs) But I was thinking while I was watching it, uh, that thought crossed my head, but also Taika Waititi is like a, uh, (laughs) I'm not exactly sure how to say this. He's almost <laughs> like uh, a, I keep wanting to say Woody Harrelson. That's not who I'm thinking of. Who did Grand Budapest Hotel? He just did Asteroid City. Um, yeah. Um, Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Taika Waititi is almost like a more not as wholesome Wes Anderson. Just, with, <laughs> just like, not so much in like the way his films look. But the way that the characters yeah. talk, they yeah. talk very yeah. Taika, which is fine. That's, I mm-hmm. mean, that is, so I was singing that last night. I was like, man, this really is like a Guardians of the Galaxy meets a weird Wes Anderson movie. But anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. sorry, my placement. I have this at number six. So it's, it's a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah. It's right below Doctor Strange and right above Thor. It's probably right at the level of Thor. But I think this mm-hmm. one is, I think. I th- even though it's a sequel, like you said, it, it really is masterful how they were able to take the initial conversation of the movie and have that be what finishes it. Have that be what fin- you have the information the entire time. And I think that really does kind of pull it together. I'm willing to forgive its faults in favor of liking that aspect of the story. It And it does give, it has a nice arc for Thor. I think it's that if if it, him in the original Thor film was discovering what being worthy is, this is, you know, a continuation or, or maybe a little bit of a, like, being worthy does not necessarily mean... Like, his character arc kind of does the, a similar thing, except it's about himself right. and the power that's within himself versus, like, the power that he gets 
from others. Like the the hammer is something that he had to, uh, you know, attain the approval of someone else. I don't know who the ever that <laughs> must be Odin or or the rules of the gods. And and in this, it's like no, yes, there is some value in that, but the ultimate power comes from understanding and believing in yourself. Right. And so there's a, there's an arc there I think that echoes that original Thor except that Chris Hemsworth understands the character so much better Absolutely. now. Absolutely. He's been in in five five films and he's been at in this other point. stuff too so, and so <laughs> Yeah, so he he's 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 a better actor, he knows the character better and I think he's just more enjoyable to watch in this than he was in the original right. Thor. Yeah, definitely man. Cool. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up our Thor Ragnarok episode. It was, I think it's going to end up being a little bit of a longer episode, but I think that's okay. Next time, we'll be doing Black Panther, which is uh, yeah. not Chadwick Boseman's introduction, but his initial solo film in the MCU. So mm-hmm. be excited to talk about that. All right. Very excited about cool. it. Uh, this is the first time ending it on a uh, on a video chat. And so I'm a little <laughs> lost for words on how to end this. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm. I was just glad that we. It, it, it has been a little while in the real world between episodes, yeah. so it was good to get back into our MCU in review, our deconstructing the MCU. And uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to next episode, especially. Yeah, it did, it, like you said, to give you a little peek behind the curtain, Guardians Two. I edited here in Illinois and we and released. So it's been maybe three or four weeks, I think, since we've recorded an episode. So it has yeah, it's been yeah. a minute, but we try to stay a little bit ahead of the curve if we can. And this will be coming out late September. So, but we'll see you in October for Black Panther. Awesome. Yeah, there might as well. We we hopped out of the the Rosenstein. Rainbow Bridge thingy at the same. What is that called? Oh, the 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 Heimdall's little. Yeah. What do they call that? Bifrost. I can't even remember the Bifrost. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can take all of this awful (laughs) bit out and you can just cut to this like. Man, it's been. If I'm not in class, I'm practicing. If I'm not practicing, I'm at home either eating or reading. And that's been my life yeah. for the past like five or six. Even today, I went and practiced for four hours. It was ridiculous. Anyway, not ridiculous. That's the standard. But that's my life now. Um, and isn't isn't that really the whole goal of filmmaking? Is just make as much money as you can. I, I think that's the. I think that's just the goal of life. Is what I hear. Here, here in good old America, good old capitalism, America. America. <laughs> cool, man. Well, you Monopoly <laughs> taught me things. Right. Uh, Sorry, this was this is. I promise this isn't going to be a uh, <laughs> a review of late stage capitalism right. in the West uh, Western civilization. On a small side note, um, did I ever tell you I have the socialist version of Monopoly? No. Yeah, and the the sh- that sounds amazing. The shtick with it is uh, er- no one wins ever. Like the game is not built yeah. for anybody to win. <laughs> uh, and I remember the first time we played it, we were like, we had the rules and it, it, we had been playing for like, I don't know, half an hour. And we were like, I mm-hmm. don't think that you're supposed to like win with this. I think it's just supposed to be like, <laughs> I think this game is just a joke. Anyway, so that exists. If you, uh, if you get sick of the, uh, 
the hundred year old game Monopoly, however old it is, um, you can play Socialism Monopoly. Um, That's so funny. Cool, man. Cord, yeah. So I think like Cord and oh, Cord with a G. Uh, Meek, I think Cord. Yeah. Cord uh, is from Blue Beetle. I don't know anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes, she is, <laughs> or they are. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's Aeromere um, in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's in the last Jedi. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Okay. He's in. Uh, he's in the new Star Trek trilogy. He's what's oh, his yeah, name, medical yeah. guy. Uh, 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 Look at Trevor not know, knowing who I'm Carl sorry. Urban is. Come on, man. I, I, when we were doing character <laughs> deductions, I felt bad. I was like, this this schmuck Carl Urban. I, I don't know. Bone Bones is the who's this guy. My dad's going to be upset with me yeah, that I yeah, didn't yeah. know that right away. Yeah, he freaking led the Rohirrim <laughs> onto the fields of Minas Tirth. <laughs>